the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Hello, greetings. Welcome to Winds of Change. Your host, Keith McKenzie, is with you. This is a Bible uh, study-based program. Uh, we're just going to open up this uh, program in prayer. We just want to thank you for the uh, door of opportunity to be able to do this today. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, blessing us today with this opportunity, Lord, to get into your word. We pray, Father, you would show us what you have for us today in your word, and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, this is a, a Bible study-based uh, program, uh, Winds of Change. And uh, so if you have your Bible, just open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So we'll go right over there. Our, our idea here in our programming is going to be uh, today and over the next few weeks, uh, we'll be discussing the, uh, the wisdom of the cross in this entire series uh, that we'll do is uh, called Have You Been to the Cross? So I hope that you'll be challenged. I hope that you'll learn. And uh, it's not really so much uh, what I have to say. It's, it's what does God's Word have to say. So we're going to get right into it and hit this thing running. Over the next few weeks, we'll be dealing with uh, topics uh, for teenagers, for adults, uh, prophecy-based uh, programming will be coming. We have a lot on the table and we just hope that you'll keep tuning in with us every week and see what we have to offer as God leads. So let's go ahead. Start right off in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. Now I plead with you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no division among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. And that's not true amongst any churches that we know of today. There's, everybody just gets along, right? But the Apostle Paul right here is addressing divisions in the body of Christ. And this is what we want to get at in this uh, study here and as we go into the cross and you find this out I hope God will truly bless you so it says for it has been declared to me concerning you my brethren that those of Chloe's household that there are contentions among you now I say that each of you says I am of Paul I am of Apollos and I am Cephas today we might say I'm a Catholic or I'm a Protestant I'm a Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, whatever it is. The, the plea here is, is that we be all of the same mind and the same body. And as Paul expands this, I really want you to get a hold on that this is not about denominational teaching. This is not about um, promoting any one agenda. It's not about building a church project. It's not about anything but Christ and Christ crucified. So let's continue to read. And then uh, Paul says right here, 
or am I of Christ? And then he says, is Christ divided? It's a rhetorical question. Of course not. Was Paul crucified for you? No. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. So right here, Paul, even though he was probably easily the greatest uh, apostle of his time, he dismisses all of that, and, and he, he takes no credit. He doesn't set himself in any lofty position or anything like that, saying, I'm of this, or I go to this church. It, it, he is talking about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and that needs to be our goal. He says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And that's what you're going to hear every week on this show. You're going to hear the truth. You're going to hear um, the problem with mankind, because America is in trouble. The soul of America is deeply, deeply darkened and in trouble. All of you, you, you know something's wrong. Uh, at the time of this taping, we're three days removed from here in town, in Shrewsbury, Mass, from having a, a, a terrible ice storm that uh, just really devastated uh, much of the center of town, as many of you know. And as I'm driving around and I interact in the community quite a bit with my job, uh, I couldn't help but notice, you know, just the absolute devastation in some areas. And, and that is the effect of, of sin in our life. If you just look around, and, and even though we'll clean up a lot of this and, 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 and move on, but you, you're going to be able to just look at those trees, and in a lot of places, even though we clean up the mess and stuff, you're still going to be able to look at that and just see the, the, the effects of, of that devastation of, of sin just breaking things and, and just making a mess of, of lives. And there's going to be all them scars on those trees, uh, a lot of people's lives interrupted. And, and the truth is, is even after we clean this up, uh, it's still going to be damaged. That's what sin does in our life. We can, we can forgive and move on and leave some of the things that we do wrong in the past, but there's still damage, and that damage is there. And, you know, God in his infinite love and, and you know, his wisdom, he saw uh, mankind from the very beginning. Uh, he knew what was going to happen, the effects and the ravages of sin in our life. And, and that's why he set forth the plan of salvation, the gospel. The gospel is good news. And, and, and really, in the sense that it's talking about, is gospel is good news from the battle. Now, back in the days when this was written, the idea would be that we didn't have radios and, and any kind of fancy telecommunications that we have today. Uh, a runner would be dispatched and he would go back with news from the battle. And, and this runner would go back, and in this case, he's saying, I have good news from the battle. And, and we want you to know that uh, even though we're going to deal with some uh, over the weeks to come, we'll deal with uh, topics that um, really we're just going to deal with them head on. It's the only really way I know how to do it. Um, we're going we're gonna to deal with sin. We're going to deal with the effects of sin. 
and, and, and what I really want to get through to you is, is the principle of the cross and, and God's wisdom in that because man is heart, at his heart. The Bible says in Jeremiah, the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? And I'll demonstrate that by the end of this show. Um, so I, I hope you'll uh, hang on there. If you think that that's not true, I challenge you to uh, take my test at the end of this program. But anyway, he, he, Paul here, and, and my plea, is, is that you see what truly joins the body of Christ, okay? It's not about sex or, or you know, all kinds of other things. I, I read something that there's 32,000 different denominations. That, that just blows me away. A lot of them are bad. Probably most of them are bad. But what we need to do, and my encouragement is to you, is, is get a Bible, open up the Word of God, spend a half hour a week with me, and we will go through the Word of God. We'll do some topical studies as God allows, but you know we really need to get into the gospel, the need of the gospel, and, and, and that's because of sin in our life. And so he says right here, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So I could sit here and wax eloquent and tell you all kinds of stories and stuff, but what does that do if I don't preach the cross of Christ and the necessity of the cross of Christ? And in verse 18, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The power of God to transform us from death to life. Now, I've done some motor racing in, in my days, and the most fantastic uh, pass that can be made with difficulty um, makes it more enjoyable. And, and the Bible teaches is that we've passed death, moved around them into life. And that life comes through Jesus Christ. And so in verse 19 it says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And he says, where is the wise and where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Well, we've got a lot of them. Atheists, uh, agnostics, all kinds of cults and religions. There's all kinds of disputers out there. But you know what? They all fail and they all wear themselves out on the anvil of the Bible. It's still here. It'll be here after I'm gone. It was here before. So just... Take that into account as you have it. We have God's record, okay? And it says, Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, to Greeks, foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, 
the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let that sink in for a minute. God, in his infinite wisdom, set forth the plan of salvation where God would step out of eternity, become a man, and become sin. That's what Christ became. Christ became sin on the cross with two thieves crucified on either side of him. And even in that crucifixion, the scribes and the Pharisees hurled insults at the Lord, like what it is uh, almost dictated in first person in, in, in Psalm 22. Psalm 53 explains what transpired during what, what was taking place on the cross. Why, why was that God's wisdom? Well, let me take you back a little bit. Back in Genesis chapter 3, and if you don't get this, the rest of the Bible doesn't make any sense. All right? Genesis chapter 3 is the recorded history of the uh, fall of man. All right? Everybody's heard of Adam and Eve and, you know, they ate the forbidden fruit. And, but that was, God knew that from the beginning. And God has made us both wonderfully and fearfully, though, because God made us free moral agents. He doesn't want robots. He knows what we're going to do, but he doesn't control us. And people say, well, if there's a loving God, then why is there evil in the world? Well, we can choose to do good or evil. Fire, all right? If we have a fire, fire can provide warmth and cook, and it has many useful characteristics. But fire, uncontained and misused, will ravage homes, lives, entire cities when not properly used. So God has allowed us to make those type of decisions. And with the temptation and fall of man in the garden, God gave them everything in the garden and he said, except for the tree, just one tree in the entire garden. He said, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, he says, you shall surely die. And enter Satan, the deceiver. He enters in and he appeals to Eve. And he appeals to her senses. Now, God gave his word and a warning, but he also allowed Adam and Eve to make their, their own choice. 
And it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, Genesis chapter 3, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? Now notice right here, he's going to quote God's word, Satan, but he prefaces it with, Has God said? Now God requires from us believers faith. Faith is the evidence of things unseen, all right? The evidence of of hope. Hope doesn't disappoint. God is faithful. God is true. Thank God that he is because we're not. We, We blow it all the time. I tell my kids, my family, my friends, I say, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to let you down. God won't. But Satan here, what he does is he, he prefaces it by putting doubt on what God said. And he says, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of every garden? And the woman said, We may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has says, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Truth. Clarified. Then the serpent says, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He just slipped in his lie there. He lies because he's the father of lies. And he also slanders God's character in this. One of the names for the devil is slanderer. slanders God's character in this. One of the names for the devil is slanderer. That's his very nature. He's a liar and he's a slanderer, always has been. He's got an ulterior motive and a very degenerative program. And what he does is he appeals, and I want you to see this, to the eyes. So he says to the woman, all right, he appeals to her and he says, you'll be like God. That's what the New Age teaches now. They, they, they're so wise. They're going to teach you how to be gods with all this esoteric knowledge. It's nonsense. This is the same lie from the Garden of Evil. It's a lie from the beginning, the original lie. It says, so when the woman saw, see, she's saying, was good for food. Mm, that probably tastes good. And it was pleasant to the eyes. And the tree desirable, so now we have some some desires being stirred here, one to make one wise. She took of the fruit and ate, even though she knew it was wrong, and God warned her and said, you'll die. All right? Now, God is true to his word. Now, this happened. Satan, think in his counsel, in his wisdom, says this is easy. Man is easy to fool, and it's true. I'm going to, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to demonstrate to you that we cannot trust our senses. 
Light is easily bent and refracted. You can't always believe what you see. That's how magicians work, and that's how sorcery and magic and all the stuff that the Bible prohibits, and God warns us of that. I'm not saying that it's not real. It's real, but I'm saying it's deceptive, and it's deceiving, and it has another power behind it, and it's not godly. All right. So she takes of the fruit, and she eats, and she gave to her husband also. Now, Adam here knowingly enters into sin with Eve because he knew. Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. Adam's sin and transgression is that he willingly chose to sin to be with Eve. That's how much he loved her. And in that, he knew that he would die with her. But God's plan is, is much the same. The church is really represented in the Bible as a bride for Jesus Christ. The church is the virgin bride of Jesus Christ. He's coming back for his church, which he purchased like in, in the you know ancient days, a, a father would purchase and make an agreement for his bride. Now, we'll, we'll do a whole study on that. That's a fantastic study, and, and it will really uh, bring alive much of the scriptures for you. There is so much packed in here. This is, this is an awesome book. I hope that you'll, you'll spend time with me every week. But anyway, Satan deceives Adam and Eve. They sin. Adam enters willfully into that sin and that rebellion with it. And by that, Adam and Eve were a direct creation of God. Okay, so they sinned. We are descendants of Adam and Eve. We are not direct creations of God. Adam and Eve were a direct creation of God. Adam and Eve sinned, and then therefore their sin was passed on like a disease to each and every one of us. And, and God pronounces curses right here in Genesis chapter 3 for what happened. Sin immediately dies. Man dies spiritually, poof, on the spot. All right? We're body, soul, and spirit. Man's spirit died. Every person born since this time is, in a sense, spiritually stillborn. That's why we need to be born again. That's what the scriptures say. Jesus said, you know, that we need to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Now, God does every part of the work. And Jesus, the bride, the husband of the bride, he, like Adam, willfully comes in and enters into and becomes sin to purchase his bride and enter into that just like Adam did with Eve. So what I want to do at this point is I want to go ahead and I, I want to challenge you a little bit. And, and this, this problem 
with sin. Let me ask you a few questions. Be honest. All right? Have you ever told a lie? I mean, ever. Of course you have. I have. Well, what does that make you? A liar. Oh, I'm not a liar. Well, how many lies do you have to tell um, before you're a liar? A murderer kills one person, and we label him as a murderer. Well, it's the same. It really is. We are all liars. Okay, that's just one. Have you ever taken up the idea uh, and conceived in your heart um, somebody else's property? You, you wanted uh, somebody else's uh, car, uh, dress, or uh, house, whatever, their job. Uh, the Bible says that that's covetousness. Have you ever done that? I have. That makes us idolaters in our heart before God. Have you ever looked at a man or a woman and, and lusted for that person in your heart? Guilty. God says that that makes you an adulterer at heart. Well, there's just three of God's Ten Commandments. And just like a chain, a ten-link chain, if only one breaks, you fall. That's the problem that man's in. Now, what we want to do is, I'm just trying to establish that each and every one of us has a need. We need Jesus. So at this point, I just want to offer you to invite Jesus into your heart. The gospel, the good news. All right? Jesus became sin for us. That's what he was on the cross. And in that, Jesus took on the great exchange. He gives us his life, and we give him our sin. Won't you accept that today? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I need you and I want you in my heart and in my life. I believe that you died and rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. And I hope you'll come back next week and we'll pick up more with the cross. Thanks.